Welcome to this episode of the Business of Practice podcast, where we focus on the financial and human sides of equine veterinary medicine. In this episode, Bob Magnus, DVM, MBA, is going to talk to us about shopping at a trade show. Dr. Magnus is the North American managing partner of Oculus Insights. He was the founder and past CEO of Wisconsin Equine Clinic and Hospital, a full-service nationally renowned equine referral hospital and ambulatory practice he established in 1992. He started Wisconsin Equine as a solo practitioner and grew the practice to include more than a dozen veterinarians and 25 support staff. Then in 2025, he founded Equine Business Management Strategies, LLC, an executive business education program for the equine veterinary industry. Then in 2017, Dr. Magnus formed the veterinary business consulting firm, Oculus Insights, LLP, with colleagues Mike Pownall, DVM MBA of Canada, and Hugh Blumens, DVM PhD of Holland. Together, this team has expanded veterinary business education offerings to a global level. And I also want to add that Dr. Magnus is now the mayor of Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. And I hope I did not butcher that, Dr. Magnus. <laughs> no, thank you. And uh, <clears throat> thanks for having me, Kim. Um, and really, thanks for all that you and your organization and, and your magazine do for our industry and trying to get more information out to help us as practitioners. Uh, um, Oconomowoc, Wisconsin is a beauty. There are five O's in it. It means Falling River. It's an Indian town and it's a little resort community. And it's one of those crazy things you do when you're semi-retired is, you know, as many people do in different ways, is you give back to your community and do some things that have a lot more value than just dollars and cents, which are parts of your focus, especially if you're starting as a young practitioner and meeting your bills and all of those things. So thank you for having me. We're all excited about the upcoming AAP convention and of course the associated trade show. So it seemed like a great time to talk about some tips when you're shopping at a trade show. So I guess let's start out, if you have a big ticket item in mind that you think you're going to purchase, how do you prepare before you even get to the trade show? Yeah, a great question. It could be a DR machine. It could be a CT scanner. It could be an ultrasound machine. A lot of things are, are big ticket. And sometimes big ticket are not just things that cost a lot of money. It could be a practice management software and um, maybe a new relationship with a referral laboratory uh, company. So really, when you look at any of those items, it's all in the preparation, you know, doing that well before you go to the AAP. Easy to say, but it's hard to do it as a practitioner because you're kind of running around, you know, like a chicken with your head cut and cut off and you go into call after call and then you block off your time and okay i'll do it at this time and bang you get a colic so and you have to take off so when we say preparation it's easy to say that but actually it does need to happen so take your big ticket item try to do your homework ahead of time make some connections with potential vendors or suppliers that you may want to meet when you go to the aap so when i when i take a step back and look at the aap i kind of look at what do I need and what do I want? And the needs are things you got to really focus on and the wants are the things you want to focus on and maybe you'll buy, maybe you won't. Now, a lot of different people go to the AP, right? You have practice owners, practice managers, veterinary or vet techs, you have uh, students. 
So when I'm on this initial part of the topic, I'm really focusing at a practice manager or a practice owner that's saying, hey, I have to purchase a large capital asset or something expensive. What I strongly suggest is that when you go to the AP, you basically have three days of the trade shows open. Remember this year it's in San Antonio and it starts a day earlier and it's right before, it's a week, weekend before Thanksgiving. The only time that it's held um, in November is when it's in San Antonio. I've gone to it many times and uh, I'll be there and I hope everybody goes, it's a blast. But when you go there, what I try to do, and I'll just share some tips, is I have my list of things that are my needs and my wants. Um, and then what I do is I, I figured, okay, what do I wanna do when I call shopping, I either want to shop for knowledge, meaning the educational programs, that could be business, that could be medicine, it could be chiropractic, could be just about anything. So I kind of break it down into two buckets like that. And then I look at toys, drugs, medication, stuff like that. So let's just kind of focus for a moment on toys and diagnostic equipment or soft practice management software, whatever you're looking at. What I try to do is I try to go through the trade show, not during a break time on the first day. So I look at the schedule and okay, I don't see anything that really floats my boat on medicine or lameness or repro or whatever you're looking at or, or business. So I pick a time when there's no, you know, not in the break times because then I can actually get through the trade show, which is huge. The largest one I think on the planet for for our, our little niche market but I go through it and that way I just kind of walk through I have my checklist of things that I want to do but oftentimes what I think is also fun is by walking through kind of getting a big picture of everything that's there there are a lot of times there are new vendors there um, ideas or things that may be something that you want to investigate so <clears throat> what I try to do is I walk in the middle of the aisle and these are goofy things and you, you'll have your own style for sure. But I walk in the middle, I go both sides because I really don't want to be aggravated by these guys trying to get you into the booth to talk about it. So I go down the middle of the aisle, I go on both sides. I start on one end of the trade show, get to the other end of the trade show. And you can either make a note on your phone or just make a note on a pad or what have you. But just get a big picture because there may be something there that if you don't find until the end of the day, it might be too late for you to investigate. So that's usually how I start. And I also, you know, I go through the educational programs, uh, um, the CE programs and the business programs. And I really, I really block off those things that are like must things I have to see because there will always be a few gaps and pretty much you're overwhelmed because you want to do much more than you're, you have time allotted. But if you're pretty strategic and a little bit didactic and picking your times, you can usually get it done. Um, coming back to that's kind of the big picture of shopping in the trade show, but it's still, you got to remember, you're still shopping on what you need to learn educationally. And, you know, I don't want to go past the part of, you got to have fun. So networking and that frankly is just as important oftentimes connecting with colleagues, connecting with potential opportunities. So take a step back again. We talked about, let's buy a big ticket item. We buy a big ticket item. <clears throat> We want to do our research before you go to the meeting. You may actually want to contact a couple different vendors, a couple different salespeople that you're interested. So let's let's say you have a, you're looking at a DR machine. You 
have a good feeling of all the different options that are out there. And you want to try to narrow things down the best that you can before go to the trade show. Now, what a lot of the vendors love is when you set up an appointment with them at their booth where you can actually sit down and really talk about the machine and the information. But one thing we haven't talked about in this big ticket item is how are you going to fund it? So let's talk about the business aspect. So when you look at that, if you're a practice owner, I strongly recommend that you go through your financials, do some preliminary tax planning with your CPA before you go to the AP. There are a lot of cost savings due to the tax consequences of buying big ticket item. So again, we're coming back to that prep work. Your prep work is, is, a, is your tax advisor. Your prep work is what of, these, of this big ticket item do you really want to investigate further? And then what I try to do is say, okay, does it make sense? Do I want this item because it's cool and it's shiny and I can afford it and I just want to do it? Or do I want to use this primarily to make money? Well, the hope is that you get both. And so what you want to think about is if I buy something that's new, a new service, a new big ticket item, or I'm going to buy um, a standing MRI or I'm going to buy a standing CT, you really want to think about can you afford it and what is it going to take in your practice to at least make it break even and there, your accountant can help you with that there are a lot of different consultants that can help you do that analysis it's really pretty simple you can even go into under google and, and find templates on you know how do i do a break even analysis but at the end of the day you don't want to spend four or five six hours trying to decide on these certain things where, yeah, you found the one you want and yeah, you can afford it, but you know what? I have to do 200 procedures to break even. And you know that if you get 50 of them done, you'd be lucky. So doesn't mean that you don't buy it with a poor potential performance of it. It means that you have the knowledge to make an informed decision. So I have had things where I've purchased things that I'm happy if I break even or I might lose a little bit of money, but as part of my marketing strategy and how I want to build my practice. Now, from a business perspective, any of these big ticket items, what you always want to try to accomplish is you never want to spend money on anything that does not generate revenue, doesn't generate sales, doesn't bring money into the practice. And so as you look at your own practice, there are two things. There's things you spend money on that really don't make money or generate money. And the more things that can generate money, truly the more profitable you're going to be. It's kind of a, a simple big picture look, but it, it's actually true. So those are a couple of the little tips. The Business of Practice podcast is brought to you by Care Credit. Care Credit keeps equine veterinarians at the heart of care by providing horse owners with simple, budget-friendly financing options. By bridging the gap between cost and care, Care Credit supports healthy financial relationships between veterinarians and their clients. It can help them move forward with care a horse needs whenever and wherever it's needed. Kim, what other thoughts or questions do you have that we can uh, kind of share with the, with the audience? Well, you kind of touched on one because one of the reasons maybe you shop at a trade show, you mentioned, you know, you got to think about how am I going to pay for this? And sometimes there's special financing or you can even ask the vendor. So how do you go about finding out if they have financing if you don't want to spend all of your money to start with? 
Yeah, um, just ask the question, um, do you have financing available? And so financing can mean a lot of different things to different people. So most people, if you don't say, hey, I've got this cash, my accountant said, yeah, it's great to spend this money, I'll just pay for it, I'll spend $75,000 on this piece of equipment. It may be more prudent to actually either take out a loan at a bank, it may be more prudent to lease it or to um, uh, from uh, from a leasing agency. The thing is, you just have to the due diligence is in how does that work? As a general rule, if you think about it, why would somebody offer warranties and leases if they weren't going to make a significant amount of money on it? Because they're really labor intensive and they're kind of a pain. So they do tend to be expensive. There's no rule of thumb to do it or not to do it each piece of equipment is different. So what you do need to know is that there are pretty decent margins on warranty for different pieces of equipment. And there are also nice opportunities for you to negotiate. You know, uh, some item may come with a two year full warranty. Well, maybe in your negotiation, they're willing to add an additional year. So look at those warranties. Now that's not the funding part, that's the, hey, I got to make sure this thing's always running. And if it goes down, how, what am I going to do? Right. Look at those as a part of a negotiation opportunity. Because one thing nice about the AAP that um, probably many of you know, but at the end of the year, most of the companies are trying to hit their annual quotas. They're trying to hit their sales projections. And a lot of the sales folks, they're... Um, compensation and their bonus structure is built on hitting different targets. So oftentimes you can get a spectacular deal at the end of the year. And if you're doing well in your practice, you can write off a large chunk of that. So it actually even truly costs you less money. But remember, you're going into an environment where you're the buyer and they're the seller and go in with your eyes open. And then what I would do, if you have this big ticket item, you'll have a friend or you'll have another veterinarian, ask them their opinion. It's a, you know, just say, hey, what do you think about this? <clears throat> the one thing, I, one thing I've learned over the years, especially in the big ticket items, if you do things like ultrasounds, x-rays, things like that, it is very beneficial to stay with the same vendor. Because if you have a practice, let's say you have a practice, your own practice and there are four veterinarians in your practice. In that practice, if you have four different types of x-ray machines, I can guarantee you one or two of them will be the favorite. And what you want to do is you want to have, and you can have one veterinarian that's really comfortable with one type and another vet that's comfortable with another type. If you can develop some core consistencies there, you usually get better pricing because of volume. And then you have better compliance of your veterinarians to use the products because everybody has the same one. I'll give you an example. Uh, many years ago, <laughs> for us older veterinarians, we had x-ray machines that were quite heavy. We're talking the generators, what you hold in your hand. And yeah, we had to do films and put them in um, processors just like you used to do. But what I learned in that process is we would have these old generators that were quite heavy and our workforce changed. And some people had difficulty with the heavier machines. So what was happening is they weren't being used as often. So when we looked at how many x-rays, for example, were being taken, that number continued to go down, but the veterinarian was doing more work and more lamenesses because it was a pain in the backside to use them. 
So what did we do? We looked and we did an analysis way before we went to the AP convention, before the trade show, and we basically got rid of a lot of our large, heavy machines and bought lightweight ones. And within a year, we had them paid for just because of increases in volume. So while that's a silly story, it's actually true. And um, think about those things in your practice and think about when equipment may go down or it may get broken. What are you going to do? Do you have a free loaner system? Can you manage for a couple of weeks by sharing with the other vets? Are they comfortable? The one that's the most difficult that I've experienced is usually ultrasound. Everyone has a little bit different flavor on how they want an image to to look and to work. So ultrasounds are sometimes, especially in larger practices, more difficult to have consistency with equipment buying. But if you're in a smaller practice, which is most of us, um, it's very easy. So think about that. as you start looking at those different things. You mentioned something. Okay, so you got rid of some other equipment. So sometimes these companies have used or refurbished equipment. And if you're just trying to get into it or you have a new associate, if you were lucky enough to find one, then maybe you need some equipment. So, you know, there are there is used equipment available. Absolutely. And sometimes people go to the trade show just to see what brand or what style they want. Then they'll go in the used market and find a used piece of equipment like that or what you what would be really smart is to go and look at um, look online at what's available and then at the trade show trying to figure out if that's what you really want and one thing especially with these larger asset purchases we didn't mention is sometimes you really need to get them in your hands and ultrasound especially and a lot of places what they'll do is you'll ask a few of the different vendors hey can you come in i just want to put these things side by side because i don't know which one i want and I think that that's a great approach. Most of the uh, most of the sales force are happy to do that. But I also think that we ethically need to be fair to those people. Don't do it if you're not really serious about buying something. That's not fair to them because there's huge costs to send sales reps around and bring in three extra or DR systems or two ultrasound or four ultrasound. So you know, think about it from both perspectives. What about if you're going in and you're just needing, again, maybe you, you are lucky enough to get a new associate and you need dental tools or rafts or all the smaller things that tend to be in a truck or a, or a practice vehicle. How do you go about finding the smaller items? Because I, I tend to see vets go around and go, oh, yeah, that's shiny and I like that. And then pretty soon you've got a big bag full of things and they love it. But, you know, is, is that the best way to be doing that for the smaller items? Yeah, and, and for the smaller items, it still it goes back to preparation. Just make a list of what you need. <clears throat> then you typically are using one or two core distributors and ask them for pricing on it um, and say, hey, here are, the, here are the things I'm really looking at. Can you give me a price, you know, a sale, an AAP price for this? Because I'm trying to decide what to do. And it's kind of interesting. You brought up like a RASP or Farrier stuff. That's also quite personal sometimes definitely is for me. And so you, there are a lot of standard things that you can get from distribution, but you'll have a lot of specialty people there with um, handmade hoof knives and things like that. And sometimes it's actually worth spending the extra money if it's something that's really important to you. But at least if you do the prep, you have a baseline of where you are. So your core prep for kind of the average 
hoof knife may be, uh, let's just say $30. Well, this new special one may be 120. Then at least in your head, you can say, is it worth it? Is there anything else, any other tips that you would like to share with our audience before they're getting ready to go to AAP and the trade show? Well, number one, have fun. Um, that's really what it's about and network with people. And it's, it's probably the best networking environment around. <clears throat> but one thing we didn't talk about, especially for practice owners, is you're trying to budget and look forward into things like vaccines and regular consumable biologics going into your busy spring season. So you can pretty much do all of that work well ahead of the AAP. And so your key pharmaceutical company could be BI, it could be Zoetis, it could be Merck. Any, you know, you can you can do all of that work before you get there because they have to you want to have fun, you want to learn, you don't want to spend all day in the trade show. But the trade show you can save a lot of money. But especially with those types of items, I pretty much have that done about a month before I go there. And I know where the deals are and here's what I think I need. Here's how I want to finance it. Here are the delayed payment options. What works best for me as a practice? We're, I'm going to be speaking on a couple things there and hope people can come and join. What's on, one's on profitability. Um, Mr. John Chalk and myself are kind of tag teaming. So it'll be an entertaining couple hours as we go through, you know, how to improve profitability within your practice. We're going to talk a little bit more about um, accounts receivable in another section. And that's really a lot of <laughs> things that nobody wants to talk about. And really, there's no reason it's easy to fix. It's just the willingness to fix. And so we'll talk about that and show you some different tools. So the point in that is that you don't have to come to anything I'm talking about, but look at some of the business programs because I think there's a lot of opportunity for you to gain some additional insights um, as to what you may want to do um, as you go forward. And, um, you know, stay out of the canal and don't get in trouble and thrown in jail. But uh, um, San Antonio is just a spectacular place and a lot of fun. And the AAP does, organization does a spectacular job. The other thing is, as you know, we have students and technicians, there's a whole technician program and lots of opportunity there. You know, students, you have the avenues program um, to learn and meet with other practices, practice owners. And students, you have a lot of opportunity to learn there. One of the things is, yeah, there's a lot of different business things, but if you're a spectacular, and this is a little bit of my soapbox, if you're a really good veterinarian, everything will fall into place. So really hone your skills. And I found myself for the first about four or five years, pretty much focusing 99% of my time in the educational programs, learning and becoming a better veterinarian. And so if you're really good with what you do and you love what you do, you'll be spectacular. You'll make a great living. You'll have a lot of opportunities. And this generation and young veterinarians are in the driver's seat because we don't have enough veterinarians within these practices. So we call it a leverage position, meaning you have a lot of opportunities and congratulations and welcome. And that's great. Happy for you. 
as a practice owner and somebody who runs different practices around the country, gosh, it's a pain for us. So be nice to us too, if we're, we're trying to hire you. But uh, ask a lot of questions and just go around and network a lot because it, uh, um, it's, it's, it's a very, very special um, experience to be at the AAP. It really is. And that's I think that's a great note to, to leave on. There's so much wonderful things to be done. And again, San Antonio is a fun place. So if you if, if you're going to go to a convention, go to this convention. It, it's really great. So thank you so much, Dr. Bagnus, for joining us today and sharing all those great tips on shopping at a trade show. And we thank our audience for joining us today on the Business of Practice podcast. And a big thanks to our sponsor, Care Credit, who lets us get together and talk about things like this that are of interest to the veterinary industry. And we invite you to visit FOManagement.com or your favorite podcast network to hear every episode of the Business of Practice. And if you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to send an email to me at kbrown, that's the letter kbrown, at equinenetwork.com. The Business of Practice is a production of the Equine Podcast Network, an entity of the Equine Network, LLC. Mm-hmm.